Good evening, everyone. Hope y'all are doing all right. All right, so Pastor uh, Pastor Chad asked me to go ahead and come and, and, and spend some time with you guys. And so um, I uh, I began to, to think about what I was gonna what I was gonna talk to you guys about and began to pray and, and see God, you know, as far as what what He wanted me to bring. And uh, and the thing that I that I remember, you know. Just God impressing upon my heart was uh, now that you know I'm going through my through my schooling and stuff. Um, you know, I remember uh, just this past uh, this past month I was in the in the operating room. And they were operating on people's hands and ankles and doing all kinds of stuff, right? But the one thing that everybody was really, really, really cautious about was making sure that the sterile instruments, you know, nobody nobody that wasn't sterile was touching them because if they were touched and, you know, they were contaminated. They had to go ahead and get rid of the whole tray and set everything up all over again. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, uh, uh, a show where they have surgery or something like that, like on Discovery Health or whatever. But the table with the instruments is about from here to about here. So they got a whole bunch of instruments laid, laid, laid up like that. And so if you break what they call the sterile field, so anything on top of it, above it, you know, button up right up against it. Anything, if you touch, break that sterile field, they got to scrap the whole thing and bring out a whole new thing. And if you're the one that breaks the sterile field, let's just say nobody's happy, all right? Because then they got to go ahead and, and start all over again, and it's just a big hassle. More time spent, and so it's just a big waste. So I was thinking about that, and I was like, sterile? Hmm, okay. And then I remember in my first semester... They talked to us a little bit about how they do that process, how they make sure that, you know, the instruments are sterile. And so there's several ways to make the instruments sterile, but one of the most effective ways is to use vapor, water vapor, and pressure. So I was like, hmm, vapor, water, all right, and some pressure. Okay. And the reason for that is because there are, there are microorganisms and infectious agents that are on these instruments, and so those things have to be eliminated because if you don't eliminate those things, when the surgeons go ahead and go to cut or fixate or put something inside of you, then what happens? Everything is good. They might go ahead and fix it. They might repair whatever is broken, but then later on, you start developing an infection. So sterile equipment is necessary. Do we agree? Yes? Amen. Yeah, y'all can go ahead and say yes. I mean, if you agree, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right, so pressure and water vapor. Now, to be the effective tools God has called us to be, we must be free from contamination, and that freedom comes from allowing God to sterilize us as his instruments, right? Now, normally you speak of people that are, the, you know, things that are sterile as being barren and not being fruitful, but that's not what we're talking about now. We're talking about a purification process. We're talking about a process of becoming pure so that you're free from any type of disease or, or contamination. Amen? Amen? All right, so steam or water vapor, right? What is it? It's a mist that's formed when gas or vapor from boiling water condenses in the air. So it's just basically water. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me. Ephesians. Now, if you don't have your Bible, you need to make sure you get a Bible or memorize the whole thing. Either way, whichever one works. All right, we're going to be reading in Ephesians, and it's chapter, chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify, everybody say sanctify, sanctify. and cleanse her with the washing, everybody say washing, washing, of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Everybody say blemish. 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 
Okay, now the word sanctify in the Greek is hagiago. I'm sorry, no, no, it's hagiatso. Everybody say hagiatso. Okay, which means to purify internally and externally. So not just the outside, you know, a little what, no, but from the inside as well as the outside. By cleansing, the word cleansing is katharizo. Everybody say katharizo. There you go, y'all speaking Greek. Which is to be made free, made free from defilement of sin and from faults, to purify from wickedness, to be free from guilt of sin. So to sanctify us by the cleansing, so that we are free from defilement, free from sin. This is what Christ wants to go ahead and do for us. Amen. It is insufficient to allow God to cleanse our exterior only. The work must begin in the heart and make its way to our exterior if it is to be truly effective. If our exterior alone is cleansed, we become just like the Pharisees and the scribes of Jesus' time, being cleansed, being clean on the surface but polluted in our hearts. And the thing is, is this. Is that you know, y'all know, right? If something is rotten, whatever, right? Or like you got a piece of wood and it's rotted away, you can paint it on the surface, right? But it's still messed up in the, on, on the inside. Bondo, okay? If you ever got rust on a car, go ahead and slap some Bondo on it, right? Smooth it out, paint it, and it looks brand new, right? Easy, nice. You can sell the car. But then when you go ahead and look on the inside of the car, when you look on the inside, it's rotted away. Dilapidated. Messed up. And so God isn't a guy that just wants to clean us on the outside. Why? Because everything starts from the heart, right? The mouth speaks from the abundance of the heart, Amen. not the other way around. And so what happens is this, is that we look good. We, we talk good, right? Because we know we know the Christian lingo and all that stuff, and we know how to act around church and all this stuff. And But then what happens when we're alone? That's when you know who you really are. How you act when you're by yourself. How you act when there's nobody around. What are you doing? What are you listening to? Who are you talking to? What are you looking at? It's at those times that we see who we truly are. And that's the thing. God wants it, and that's why it's so important that we dedicate ourselves to our own private time with Him. Is because He wants to see us one-on-one, -on -one by ourselves. Now, it's supposed to be an intimate relationship, just like with a husband and wife. When you marry your wife, guys, when you marry your wife, and women, when you marry your husband, you know, there, there's a time where you guys go ahead and come together in intimacy. Where you don't have anything anything between you guys. No clothes, no nothing like that. But that is reserved for that time, for that intimacy. Now, if you try to go ahead and get naked and all that in front of, you know, everybody, you know, that's crazy, right? That's something that's not appropriate. You're not supposed to be doing that kind of stuff. But see, and that's why, that's why God wants to see us alone. Because you know what? He accepts us with our faults. He accepts us the way that we are. But he wants to change us. From the inside, with everything, everything taken away from our all, all facade, all mask, everything, the way that we present ourselves before people, he's like, look, get rid of that stuff. You know, it's me that you touch, your father in heaven that you're talking about. Get rid of that, those, that fakeness. I want to deal with your heart. I want to deal with those issues that are deep within you, the ones that nobody knows about. Everybody thinks, oh man, wow, he is so spiritual. Or wow, you know, he's good. But you know inside your heart the wickedness that lies in there. And the thing is, is God is like, look, let me clean you. Let me cleanse you. And so that's why it's so important that we spend time with our God, that we spend time with our Savior alone. It's not just enough to go from Wednesday to Wednesday, Sunday to Sunday. You need that intimate time daily. Amen. We need to be cleansed daily. Now, when it talks about cleansing of the water, right, by the water, let me see, in verse, uh, where are we at? 26. That he might sanctify us and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Now, let me ask you this. How many of y'all just sprinkle yourselves with, when you're taking a shower, just sprinkle yourselves just a little bit with the water? Just a little bit. Okay. Right? But even, even with that, right? Even with just jumping in and jumping out. That's not just the sprinkle. 
That's a little bit more. A couple gallons. And so, yeah, exactly. Now that word there is a deluge of water. That means like a waterfall flowing over you. And so this is the thing. What makes you think that it's just enough to come Wednesday and Wednesday for the washing of the, by the word, right? Because we get the word on Wednesday, right? What makes you think that it's enough to go ahead and go get, get washed every Sunday, from Sunday to Sunday, to Wednesday and Sunday? I know y'all, well, hopefully most of y'all bathe every day, right? Yeah. Change your underwear and all that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't smell any time. stank people up in here. So I know that y'all bathe daily. So what makes you think that, you know, bathing in the natural, bathing in the natural, you guys do it every day. But what happens to washing your spirit every day? We're wicked. We are in our heart of hearts. You know what? There is just abundance of wickedness. And that's why we need, we need to be in the word daily so that we can allow Christ to wash us, wash our heart, wash all that impurity away from us. Because if not, then we cannot be effective servants the, the effective service that he needs us to be. Why? Because let me tell you something. Whenever you talk to somebody about God, and then you turn around and do something crazy, or you go ahead and start cussing and stuff, what happened to your testimony? What happened to your witness? You're like, wait a minute, hold on a second. I thought you were, I thought you were a Christian. What? What's going to happen next? get the wrong idea. They'd be like, oh, it's alright to cuss as a Christian. And everybody want to be Christian. And then what happens? Nothing separates us from the world, right? We're supposed to be sanctified. We're supposed to be separated from God. So, if there's no talking different, there is no walking different, there is no acting different, then what's the difference? Amen. There is isn't one. So when people say, you know, when, when you tell people, oh, I'm a Christian. Really? Man, if you're a Christian, that makes me a Christian too. I'm down with that. Easy. Easy. Spot or wrinkle? <coughs> what do y'all see here? Spot. And a wrinkle. And a wrinkle, right. Now, let me ask you this. Is it mostly a spot on a piece of paper? Or is it mostly white paper? But all y'all said that there's a spot on here, right? So it doesn't matter how good you might think you are, right? Look at all this good, right? All this white. The majority of it, right? It's still a spot. That's why we need to be washed by the word. We gotta get the spots out. Christ is better than tide. Better than OxyClean. Better than Kaboom. Better than Clorox. He'll wash your sins away. Wash out the blemishes. But we need to spend time in His Word daily. Why? Because we run out there and we, and sometimes we mess up. How it is sometimes. I'm not standing up here, you know, telling you that I'm perfect either. But you know what? I'm striving for perfection. And God says He's perfect, complete, and He is perfect. And so we strive for that. We strive for that. But even though you might think that you're mostly good, you still need God. Because we all want to be the we all want to be right. Well, I want to be the one without spot, without wrinkle. I know this one wrinkle too, but y'all get the picture. Y'all get the idea. Y'all get the idea. Now the state of non-blemishment cannot be obtained outside of Christ. Somebody told me one time, they were like, well you know what? I'm good, you know, I'm good at people. You know, I go ahead and, you know, somebody needs a dollar. I go ahead and, you know, I'll hook them up. You know, I got them, give them some money or whatever. I'm good. I don't, I don't do anybody harm, right? And I do good things. And I believe, because I do good things and I treat everybody right, that I'm going to heaven. You know what I asked them? I asked them, I said, let me ask you a question. How much good is good enough? Is it 100 good acts? Is it 200? What's the difference? You know? What makes you think that because, you know, this one this one does maybe one good act that you don't get to go ahead. I mean, he did one. What's the quota? I mean, you know, well, and then how much is too much? Because I don't want to be too good. I want to be giving all my money away. 
You know what I'm saying? I need some walking around money. You know what I'm saying? In case I, I see something I like, I got to buy. You know? I'm just saying. He didn't have an answer. He didn't have an answer. And the thing is, is that we got to realize that, you know what? It's not because of our works. It's nothing that we did. I mean, we're horrible. We're terrible. I mean, you know, if we were left to our own vices, my goodness, where would we be? But thank God that Christ shone his light of salvation <coughs> on us. That he pulled us out of that miry clay, of that hopeless situation that we were in, cleaned us off, washed us up, and made us whole again. Amen? Amen. So there is no other way to be cleansed except through Christ. Now that brings us to pressure. Under a certain amount of pressure, living germs or microorganisms cannot survive. It's impossible. Even though you had oxygen, if you're real, 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 real deep underwater, too much pressure. You can't survive. It is this process that purifies the instrument because all that remains is the instrument free from foreign bodies. So they go ahead and put it in this place, right? With the, with the steam in there. They go ahead and put it in the in pressure, right? Put some pressure in it. And that kills everything. Really, really, really hot. So it's hot, and, it, and it's, it's got a lot, of, a lot of pressure. So it kills, eliminates any any type of living anything in there. This is what they do. Let's turn to Second Corinthians. Chapter 4. We're going to be reading from verses 8 through 10. It says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken or abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now, Sometimes pressure hurts. Happens. I tell you a story. Yes. The other day, it was his birthday. <coughs> Our birthday party. Went to the party. Started acting crazy. She does. We were on a wooden bench. She's kicking around, and her knee caught the bench. Then saw her knee later on. It looked like she had a scab. I was like, wow, man, that was quick. I didn't think anything of it. Went home, shower, all that. I looked at it, she was like, ow, oh, daddy, it hurts, it hurts. And I'm like, yeah, of course it hurts. Plus, if you need, it's gonna <laughs> hurt. <laughs> I was like, baby, don't worry about it. That night, I put her down to sleep. Next morning, I wake up, right? I'm sorry. The next morning, she wakes me up. Because that's how she does. She runs over and Daddy, wake up, wake up, Daddy. I'm like, what? What? Sorry about this. You awake, Daddy? You awake? I'm, I'm awake now. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. So she's like, oh, Daddy, it hurts, Daddy. So I look at her knee, and it's swollen. It's all red around the dot, right? Maybe, you know, a little infection, something like that. So I put some triple antibiotic on it, put a band-aid on it. Super dad. Good to go. So I was like, all right, girl, go ahead and do your thing. But then later on that night, she was still complaining. And I looked down at her knee, and I was like, ooh, it looks bad now. So then I was like, all right, Vanessa, Vanessa, give me my, my pinches. So passing Vanessa, you know, being the woman of God that she is, all right. So she went ahead and got a little tweezers, right? Go ahead and tweeze this thing out. So I come over and I try to dig it out. She's like, blah, going crazy. I'm like, shut it out. Shut it out. <laughs> <laughs> try to help 
trying to help you. I'm trying, I know it hurts, but I'm trying to help you out. Dig it out. And what happened? I didn't get it out. So then I had to do what I had to do finally. I had to go ahead and sterilize. Not under pressure or anything like that, but you know, I had to go ahead and put a little alcohol swab, whatever, a little needle, right? Safety pin. Oh. I'm go ahead and put some pressure on it, right? Squeeze out the splint. It's a little piece of wood, but it was like good size, it was just stuck underneath. Dug that you thing out. That? I had to do all that. Man, I imagine if I would have left that in. Terrible, right? But I had to go ahead and put some pressure on my dog. So they get that thing out. And I thought she was crying. It hurt me. It killed me to see her like that. I mean, Pastor Chad, no. When you see your kids cry, man, you got to be hurt. You got to be crying. Hurting. I had to put her under some pressure. So we went and get what was messing her up. We would, if I would have left it in there, would have gotten nasty, infected, and then who knows what would have happened. I had to put her under some pressure. I had to dig it out. And the same thing with us. Sometimes our Heavenly Father sees, sees things in us, sees some splinters in us, and says, you know what? Mm-hmm. You gotta dig that thing out. No, 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 don't touch it, it hurts too much. It hurts too much. And God is like, look, that thing is hurting you, it's killing you, I'm trying to dig it out of you, and you're holding on to it. You're all limping and junk, and God is like, okay, how long are you gonna limp? I need you to run this race, not limp this race. Right? I need you to help somebody else out. But look, how are you gonna help somebody out if you yourself you need help? You know, let me let me help you to be more effective. Let me help you get rid of what is holding you back so that you can run this race better. But no, for some reason we're like God. I got this. My door is open. I can't, I can't even get up that high. I can't. Yeah, he never had anything. <laughs> but, and, and we just like that. We just like doors open. We like, no, I got it. I'm down. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm holding it down. But you ain't holding nothing. The only thing you're holding down is yourself. And this is what God wants to do. God wants to take us and say, you know what? I know you're struggling with that. Let me take that off your hands. Let me dig that out. I know it's going to hurt. I know. I know it's going to hurt. But sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes that pressure is necessary in order to get the purest. Because another example is olive oil. Y'all ever <coughs> not not Popeyes olive oil, but like olive, like actual olive oil. Real good. Yeah. Extra virgin, you know. Real good stuff. Pick it up and everything, you know. So, olive oil. Very old school. This is they, they first started pressing olive oil in Greece five thousand years ago. So they've been pressing it for a while over there. They got a little experience. They got a little experience. So, what would they do? They'd go ahead and pick the olives, right? Pick the olives, right? And then what they would do is they would go ahead and take a millstone. Y'all ever see a millstone? Y'all ever see what that is? No, you see the millstone? Yeah? Anybody ever seen one? Okay, basically what it is, it's a big, big rock. Okay? <laughs> That's what it is. And so sometimes what happens is that you have it like, and I'm going to attempt to draw. Y'all can laugh. It's okay. So you have, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a wheel like this, right? You didn't close the wheel. Something like that. It's kind of like that. And then sometimes what happens is that you have you have like a, a stick like that, you have a handle. That's good. You have a handle, right? He's got deep on his didn't he right there? Right there. And then you have you know, you have like a Oh, you lost it. Oh, let's take a look. I see now. 
Oh, I see what this thing is. It's like one of those things that you make flowers with. Like, you have to grind it and like... Right, and so you have like the stuff up in here, okay? Yep. And so the wheel goes around, right? Goes yep. around. Get 3D on me, okay? <laughs> it goes around and it starts crushing it, right? And it crushes it and crushes it and crushes it until it gets to like a, uh, like a paste. Okay, kind of like toothpaste, okay? Tasty like But not white, obviously, because uh, it's green. So anyway, so it gets like that into a paste. And then what they do is they go ahead and take that paste, right? Take that paste. I'm sorry. Yeah, let me go ahead and continue with this, and I'll come back to the point. They take that paste, and then they go ahead and put it on these discs, right? Just round things. Now, before they used to be made of um, like uh, like coconut fibers and stuff like that, but now it's all everything synthetic. So anyway, so they go ahead and, and put it on there, right? They put it on there, kind of like you know how you would put icing on a cake, yeah. kind of like that. So they go ahead and put the paste one on, and then they go ahead and stack the discs. And then what they do is they go ahead and put that drawing. So they go ahead and put the paste on the disc, right? And then they go ahead and stack the discs. Right, so you have one there, 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 there. And then they go ahead and put it in a press. These are all the little discs, okay? And so then what they do is they go ahead and press it like that. Press it, press it, press it, press it like that. Now, we have a certain thing called atmospheric pressure, right? Y'all ever heard of atmospheric pressure? Yes. Okay. That's the pressure of the atmosphere because the atmosphere is full of all these molecules and all that stuff. Not to get too deep on you, but full of, you know, nitrogen, oxygen, all kind of stuff, right? Loading around. And now all those molecules are standing on, you know, sea level, I should say. So that's all the pressure, right, on us and everything above. Now, obviously, as you go like in the water, there's more pressure because you've got the air, right, and then you've got the water, so the pressure starts to increase, okay? So the unit of measure that they use is the atmosphere, one atmosphere, two atmosphere, three atmosphere. Well, it takes about 400 atmosphere in order to go ahead and press out the wine. I mean, not the wine, the oil, the oil, the oil from, the, from this paste. So it's an immense amount of pressure in order to get the desired result. Are you good with that? Mm -hmm. Are you good? Okay. Now, something to note. Before they go ahead and put it in the mill right here, to go ahead and, and grind it down, they have to wash the olives. They have to wash them. Because, you know, it's out in the field, obviously. So it's got, you know, pesticides, and it's also got soil on it and all this stuff, you know? So before they make the oil or they press it, they've got to wash it. And it's the same thing with us. And the reason why they do this, the reason why they wash it is because olive oil has a certain taste. If you leave the, the olives unwashed, you taint the taste. It tastes different you get an undesired result. And so sometimes, you know, as servants of God, we try to shortcut the process. You know, we don't allow ourselves to be washed. And then we want to work in the ministry. And we want to go ahead and, you know, we, 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 we think that we can, um, that, that we have something to, to give. And, and I'm not saying that you don't have anything to give or you don't have a word to give or a minister or anything like that. But what I'm saying is this is that when you don't allow yourself to be washed prior to being pressed and yielding that oil, then you lose something. You add something to the mix. And what you add is undesirable. What you add is contamination. And that's why it's so important that we allow God's word to cleanse us because we don't want it contaminating the anointing. Right? Oil is significant of the anointing. So we don't want it contaminating the anointing because what happens? Sometimes you know you, you know you, you feel you feel the spirit, right? And this is where it gets dangerous. You feel the spirit, you want to go ahead and speak, you want to go ahead and you know lay hands and pray for somebody, 
And so, you know what? That part, you were good. You were good. But then you say some things that's like, what? You know, you, you, you get off. And it's like, oh, you, you were wrong, but now the flesh got in the way. Washing. Because you are unwashed. So that's why it's important. That's why it's important to go ahead and stay in the Word. Stay in the deluge of God's Word. Washing us. Cleansing us. Purifying us. Setting us apart. This is why washing is so crucial. Now, back to the press. The press that God uses in our lives is the trials and tribulations. Now, sometimes we get ourselves into trouble, right? Consequences. Sometimes we do stupid things, you know? I can tell you a little story. My daughter's very curious. She likes to touch things, and she's into, you know, wanting to touch and wanting to, you know, experience things, which is great, wonderful, until she goes for something that's hot. Stove, yeah. I decided to make cookies the other day. They just gotta, they gotta do it themselves. I don't know what it is, but they just gotta do it themselves. I mean, seeing somebody else fall into the pothole isn't enough. They gotta go in and see, oh, well, you know, I won't fall in because, you know, I don't wanna do it. I'm, I'm good, good like that. I'm good. Right. I got, I got skill this. like that, right? Like, like, and then you watch them, right? And they, boom, fall into the same thing and be like, man. I told you. Did you not listen? Did you not see the previous person go through the same thing? Why? We're stumbling like that sometimes. I'm not talking about those type of consequences. I'm not talking about those type of trials. Those are things that we, you know, because of our foolishness or, you know, because of our lack of experience, sometimes it happens. You know, sometimes we make mistakes, you know, and that's just how it is. You know, that's not gonna stop, you know. But as you get older you probably learn to look out a little bit more and be like, All right, let me go ahead and take some advice from you know, some of the older people and not do and not fall into certain things and all that. But the trials and the tribulations that I'm talking about are ones that God uses in order to press us. Press us. Now turn with me to Romans chapter five. And we're going to start in verse number one. If you got to say, oh yeah. Oh yeah. If you, gotta say, if you don't got to say, hold on a second. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
All right, the old years got it. Let's start. Verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the washing part. Now, let's get to the pressure part. And not only that, but, everybody say but, but. we also glory in tribulation. Say what? What? Knowing that, listen, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. There is the pressure right there. Pressure produces endurance, which produces character, which produces expectation of good or hope. And the reason why is, before I get to that, let me tell you a little story. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, what happened? Let me tell you. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. See, that was on the hill. That was on the hill. So, what happened? I got fat. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, 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 I couldn't afford to buy bigger clothes. Everybody say, aww. 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 So what happened? I right. know, you know what? Hey, there's more to love, but I didn't love to have more. So, I need to go ahead and have less of me so that I could fit all of me into my pants. <laughs> because I couldn't, I couldn't wear my dress pants. Uh, even the big dress pants, you know, when you wear the fat pants, even those didn't fit no more. I wonder why you wear jeans all the time. Right? You saw that? You saw that? No. I, and that's what, I, that's what it was. I wear jeans all the time. And it was like, you know, dress up Sunday. And I, Pastor, I was wearing jeans. What's he doing? But I tried to dress him up, right? I had to go ahead and had the Tuck dress shirt. shoes on, you know what I'm saying? I had the little dress shirt on. And I, was, I was rocking. But anyway, <laughs> you fit in 36 years. Huh? You fit in 36 years. Yeah, no, but I need to be down to like a 31. Yeah. 31? Yeah, yeah. Ain't yeah, no way yeah. in here at 31. It's a good girl. Actually, if he was a 36, he would be really, really in bad shape. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd be, look, I'm, I'm only 5'6", bro. Man, I can't, look, I can't have, I can't be walking around and people would say, be like, yo, yo, facts. No, <laughs> I can't have that. I'm just And it's not like that. Not PHT. PHT. No, no, not PHT neither. I'm talking about FAT. Fat, like you know, rolls coming over, getting Dunlop. Y'all know what Dunlop is? Nah. That's when your belly has done locked over your belt. <laughs> <laughs> Dunlop. Dunlop. I couldn't have it. I couldn't have it. I had to go ahead and reduce. All right. You know what I'm saying? That's a good word. I had to be. I had to be. You know what I'm saying? I had to be green. You know, reduce. You know, and all that stuff, right? Exactly. I had to recycle and all that, right? It's a good word. So anyway, so what did I start doing? I was like, you know what? I need to go ahead and control my eating, but I also need to go ahead and start running, right? So I run all the time, man. Run, run, run. So, I was running, right? And at first, because I almost died. I'm telling you, I felt it right here in the chest. I was like, oh, man, what is it? Right side, left side, left side, right? I feel it on both sides, man. I, something, something happening. right, you didn't call me. You know what though? But listen, I wouldn't do it in the morning. I wouldn't do it in the morning, Pastor. I wouldn't do it in the morning. So anyway, so look. So what happened? So what happened? Man, I got wind. Tribulation. Felt some pressure on my chest. There was some pressing. That's what tribulation means. It means a pressing. But I had to pressure myself. I had to go ahead and press myself. I had to go ahead and do something. Now, I've been running for a couple weeks now. Every day? More than a couple, every day. Ooh, how long? Every day. Every day, I run 2.7 miles. Oh. A day? Yeah, a day, a day, oh. every day, every day. And it takes me about, about 25 minutes. Wow. That's good time. That's good time. Are you running or jogging? No, no, I'm, I'm sprinting. Well, you, you got to do it in sprints. You sprint, then you go ahead and jog a little bit, then sprint, jog a little bit, sprint. You know what I'm saying? But not like, you know, not like. No, and I'm, I'm running, okay? I'm running. 
Friday night. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So anyway, you don't yeah. Monday, so you keep going. That's no problem, man. I appreciate the accolade, though. I do. So anyway, so I'm running. Practicing, right? But I had to go ahead and keep running because that would produce endurance. Amen. Now, the thing is, is that, you know, when you first start, you're like, man, I can't do it. How am I going to do that? I'm going to do it. That's why, that's why it's important that when you decide to work out, the best thing to do, the, the ideal thing, I should say, is to have a partner. So what happens? When you decide, oh, man, I can't, then your partner says, come on, you can do it, you can do it. You know, and then when, when your partner's like, mm, then you be like, come on, man, pick it up, pick up the pace. Right. Or if your partner's beating you, it motivates you, right? Keep pressing on. And you build your endurance, right? Challenge your partner and go ahead, come on, get up. You know, I know you can't run at all, but at least run and walk. Do something. Come on. So. Not even walk, bro. Not even walk, but you know what? That's what Slow you do. Dog. You go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Put your hands right here on your on your hips or over your head. Do something. Do something. Yeah, move your hands while you walk. Something. Do something. But this is what I'm talking about. This character. Because at the end, you feel okay. You know what? It builds the perseverance, but it builds endurance or perseverance. And then you have character, <clears throat> excuse me, you have character produced. Now, what happens? You get to a place where you say, you know what? I went through this trial, went through this tribulation, and I was able to go ahead and get through it. Not on my own strength, no. Not on my own strength, but because of God's strength. And the thing is that, how is it that it builds character? Well, it builds character because you... Now, instead of just kind of freaking out, because I was kind of freaking out when I was feeling the pain in my chest, you know, now you 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 recognize, you say, okay, you know what, I'm not in sin, this is just a trial. God is trying to go ahead and impress me, he's trying to go ahead and get something out of me, he's trying to produce something, and so the only way that that is going to be produced is me going through this trial, me being pressed, and so we recognize that, and now instead of saying, oh God, why me? Oh, I can't believe it. I'm supposed to be your servant and look what's happening to me. Instead of that attitude, instead of the me, me, me attitude that we're so famous for, then the, the eyes turn from here and it turns to, to there, to where it should be, to Christ. I said, and, and then you begin to say, okay, Christ, what is it that you're trying to work out in me? What is it that you're trying to bring out of me? What is it that you see in me that you're trying to produce? Because that's what it is. Sometimes... You know, we get put in situations, and we don't, we didn't know that we could have endured through it, through Christ. But then he shows us. He shows us and says, look, look what I have inside. Look what I have inside of you. Look at that greatness that I have inside of you. And so then when the next trial comes, you remember. You say, you know what? I remember the last trial. I remember the last one. And God was pressing me because he was trying to produce something in me. So now you're not upset. That's why he's saying, I rejoice in the trials and the tribulations. I rejoice because I see that God is trying to go ahead and press me because he's trying to produce something in me. He's trying to go ahead and extract something, pull something out of me that he deposited in me from the beginning of time. Then I'm going to go ahead and deposit these things in man. I'm going to deposit these things in Pastor Chad. And I'm going to bring them out through these trials. And so that's why it's important for us to realize that when trials come, don't freak out. Don't freak out. These are the times when you're like, okay, well, God, what is it that you want to do in me? What is it that, that you want to break in me? What is it that you want to go ahead and squeeze out of me? And that is the attitude that we take. And so that's why we have hope because we know that when, when, when tribulations come, we know that, wow, you know what, God? You're not finished with me yet. You haven't forgotten about me. You're still working in me. You're still developing me. And so what, then what happens? Then you're able to encourage somebody else that's going through the trial. Be like, you know what? That's just a trial. That's just a tribulation. That's all right. God is trying to go ahead. I'll, I'll join with you. I'll link arm in arms with you. And I'll lift you up before the king to make sure that, you know what? That I got your back. Because it's just for a while. He's just trying to squeeze something out of you. God is, God's pressing brings out of us, all that God has deposited in us and helps develop the type of character that will sustain us. So, 
You ever see those big-time preachers and stuff like that that, you know, they get up and they uh, have massive followings, right? They got mad people following them. Let me give you, let me give you an example. Not of a preacher, but of somebody that people look up to. Tiger Woods. People look up to this guy because basically what he was portraying was that he was a squeaky clean family man, you know, dedicated to his wife, dedicated to his child, his children now, dedicated to his children and stuff. But you know what? He was all fake. Why? It wasn't because he was talented. He got plenty of talent. Was it because he didn't know how to speak right? He said all the right things, all the things everybody wanted to hear. But you know what the problem was? The problem was his character. His character was immature, it was weak, and above all, he didn't have Christ. But even people that profess to have Christ, if they haven't been developed, if their character hasn't been developed, then what happens? Their talent takes them to a certain height. Now you see, I mean, you know what? We're not supposed to look up to man and all that, and I understand that. But you know what? When you see a man of God up here, you say, you know what? Wow, you know, God is really doing something awesome in him. Praise the Lord, you know? And that should motivate you to seek God. Say, you know what, God? I know that you you deposited something in me, and I need to I need to seek what you deposited in me so that you can develop that in me, so you can go ahead and use me just as powerfully, you know? But then you see people, you know, ascend because of their talent and because of their character not being fully developed, they end up falling. They end up falling into these traps. They end up, you know, sinning. And was the sin there the whole time? Yeah, it was. It was. It was one of those things where God said, look, I need to pluck that out of you. And the individual was like, no, I'm, you know, not, you, Lord, you can have all this right here, but just don't touch this. Just don't work with this. This is in the deep, dark, back closet of their heart, but it's there. And it's not like Christ says, okay, well, it's not there. Everybody got a junk drawer in their house, right? You find all kinds of stuff. Pens, pencils, scissors, calculators. You find, more, you know, gum. All kinds of stuff up in there. All kinds of stuff up in there. Trash, you know, broken earphones. All kinds of stuff. Anything you need up in there. You know, a little eyeglass repair kit. You know what I'm saying? All kinds of stuff. But those are the things that you don't want you you know, you try, if you're trying to sell your house, you don't want nobody to see that. You know what I'm saying? You want to be organized. You know, organize that. Bishop trying to organize his junk drawer. That's what we're trying to do. We call this job. <laughs> he's trying to organize his junk drawer. No, I'm serious. He's trying to, and let me tell you, it looks pretty good compared to mine. It looks real good compared to mine. Because I try to organize mine too, and I'm like, you know, what? What are we doing? This is the junk drawer. It's supposed to be maximized. This is the one. This is the one where you open up in a hurry. You're like, you know, trying to find stuff. Things flying all over the place. That's the one. That's the one. And if you can't find something, you know, place or something, you just you can't not have a junk drawer. Throw it in there. All good. But this is the this is the thing. God is the God of order, and He sees the junk drawer in your life, and He says, you know what? No. No, my son. No, my daughter. I need to organize that, and I need to eliminate the junk. Why? Because other people are going to come into your house to, to, to view. You know what I'm saying? You're supposed to be an example, right? We're supposed to walk like Christ, right? Amen. We're supposed to be, right? We're supposed to be like Christ. So when they see me, because sometimes, you know, people ain't going to crack open the Bible. They're going to look at me. People aren't going to come to this church all the time, right, when you invite them, but they're going to see you. They're going to see you. They're going to see me. What are they going to see? Are they going to see my junk drawer? Or are they going to see everything in order, no matter what? Because sometimes it's at those times where, you know, we're not at our best. This stuff kind of comes out. You know, somebody punch you in the gut, you know, inadvertently, and here you go. Saying a little something, right? And you're supposed to say. Or you stub your toe and it something comes out. Oh, oh. Jesus! Hopefully that comes out. Lord, help me! Hallelujah! Glory to God! Something like that. Hopefully that comes out. 
you know, instead of something else. But when you get really mad at somebody, somebody did you wrong. Somebody did you wrong. Are you gonna are you gonna be like everybody else and start talking junk about that other person? Like, oh, you won't believe what this person did to me. <laughs> Let me tell you. Let me tell you what happened. They said your mama. I'm not sure what that means. Anyway, so then you start retaliating. You start acting in a manner that is not Christ-like. You show them your junk to them. And you see what I'm saying? But these are opportunities, brothers and sisters, be encouraged. These are opportunities for you to say, you know what, Lord? I need your washing, God. There's stuff inside my heart that is just terrible to less. Just horrible. And I need the word of God just to wash over me like a waterfall. Because believe me, there's some darkness in my heart and some things that God is still dealing with, just like just like you. But the key is to stay in his word, to have him wash us, to have him cleanse us, to have him purify us. So when we go through our trials and we feel that pressure to say, God, have mercy on me. Show me, God. Show me what you need to break off of me. Show me, God, where you need to, where, where I need molding. Build up those things, those righteous things in my heart. Tear down this wickedness, this unrighteousness in my heart, Lord. It is a combination of water and pressure that work together to produce an effective servant of the Lord. One that, when used, does a good work that produces what God intends and does not contaminate his work. You know, sometimes we, we cry before the Lord, Lord, use me, use me. You know, God, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. God, if you need me to serve here, I'll serve here. God, if you need me to do this, I'll do that. And the thing is, you ask yourself, God, why aren't you using me? Why aren't you using me? And the thing is, is this, is that God needs to use God needs to use a vessel that is not contaminated. God needs to use a vessel that's clean so that, you know what, when he goes to use you, you don't contaminate the water. So if you find yourself in that situation where it's like, man, God, why aren't you using me? Or why aren't you using me like you used to God? What happened? Do you need to check yourself? Do you need to say, God, where... Where did I go wrong? Am I am I not in your word like like I used to be? Am I not you know? Am I not consecrating my life like I used to be? Am I, am I not taking these trials, this tribulation, this pressing that you're doing? Am I not am I not learning anything? Because sometimes that happens too. We find ourselves repeating the same trials, the same tribulation, the same situation over and over again. And it's because sometimes you know what? It's like man, we don't learn. So then God says, you know what? Okay, let me start over. Then we go ahead and go back to the beginning. And we see it, the whole setup. Oh, man, you know what? This looks familiar. Yeah, this happened before. And then, boom, we're back in the same tribulation, back in the same trial. Are you going to make the right decision? Are you going to do the right thing? Are you going to say, oh, okay, God, that's what you're trying to teach me? Are you going to seek his face and say, okay, God, what is it that you want me to learn? Because there's always the next lesson. And that's the awesome thing about God. God is never ending. There's always something new to learn in Him. There's also always another level in Him. And that's why it's so exciting. I mean, some, some people might say, well, man, that kind of gets a little tiring because you never you never get to the end. But when you're having an awesome time and when, you, and when you're growing, when you're being developed, and you know, and you see it in that, in that light, you're like, wow, God is endless. It is boundless. He's full of opportunity. And He's, he's chosen me. He's chosen you. He's chosen us to be his workers. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on and sing to your feet. Better close your eyes. I just got a couple of questions for you guys, and I just want you to meditate on this, all right? So 
no joking around, no jumping around. Just time with you and the Lord. So that's why I want you guys to go ahead and close your eyes. Don't mess with your neighbor. And try to just go ahead and concentrate and really think. Really look at yourself. You know, do you say to yourself today, are you here in this place and saying, God, you know, after hearing this, you know, I'm, I'm in need of some cleansing today. You know, have you kind of neglected reading your word? Have you neglected being in his presence? Have you neglected that daily, you know, that daily um, appointment with him and spending time with him? Do you find yourself in that situation? Or, you know, you say to yourself, am, am, I, am I committed to enduring through the trial so that God can bring forth what has been deep within me? Am I... You know, looking at my trials and not saying, oh me, oh my God, why me? Why are you doing this to me? Or are you saying, God, you know what? I understand that you're trying to work things out in me. And, you know, if you didn't understand that before and you understand it now, that God is trying to work things out in you, you know, are you saying, okay, God, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and stay in the trial and I'm going to learn. Now, I'm going to go ahead and pray a general prayer. But, you know, if, if that's you here today, you know, if you say, you know what, I'm in need of some cleansing or, Lord, now I see why I'm going through what, what I'm going through. You're just trying to develop me. If that's you here today, go ahead and just slip up your hand real quick. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or anything like that. I see the hands. I see the hands. You can put your hands down. All right. If you would, go ahead and grab your neighbor's hand real quick. We're going to go ahead and pray. I'm going to pray a general prayer. Father, we come before you right now, dear God, as your children. Give me glory, honor, and praise. We thank you, dear God, for this time that we've had in your word, dear Lord. Father God, I pray for those, my Lord God, that raise their hands, dear God. Father, I thank you, my Lord Jesus, because the first, my Lord God, the first step, in getting back on my Lord Jesus track is recognizing that we've fallen off track dear God and so for that I thank you my Lord God my Lord and for those that you know desire to raise their hand but they were too shy or you know something I didn't give them enough time to raise their hand dear Lord God I pray for them as well my Lord Jesus because they know in their heart of hearts dear God that they, my Lord Jesus, also are in need of washing, or also in need, my Lord God, of committing to enduring, my Lord God, through the trial, my Lord Jesus, and to learn, my Lord God, whatever you have to, to obtain, my Lord God, that which you're trying to press out of them, dear Lord God. So for that, I thank you, dear Lord. Father God, I pray that your strength be upon my brothers and sisters, my Lord God. I pray, my Lord Jesus, that their passion would be renewed, my Lord God. Their passion for your word, their passion, my Lord God, to be in your presence daily, my Lord God. Father God, that it would be a fire, my Lord God, a consuming fire, my Lord Jesus, within them, my Lord God. That they, my Lord Jesus, would not be able to eat, sleep, or drink, my Lord God, if not, my Lord, if they had not spent time in your word, if they've not spent time, my Lord God, with you, my Lord Jesus. Jesus, in communion with you, dear God. Father God, I pray, my Lord God, for those that are going through trials, through tribulations, Father God, through this time, my Lord God, oppressing, my Lord God. Father, I pray, my Lord Jesus, that you, my Lord God, would give them strength, my Lord. Father God, I pray, my Lord Jesus, that they would be able, my Lord God, to learn from their trial, learn from their tribulation, my Lord God. I pray, my Lord God, that their character would be developed, my Lord Jesus, that they, my Lord God, would gain, my Lord Jesus, perseverance, that they would gain endurance, my Lord Jesus. Father God, because your word says that they that endure to the end, my Lord God, those that endure to the end, my Lord God, will be saved. So we know, dear God, that, in, that endurance is key, my Lord God, to salvation, my Lord God. We know, my Lord God, that it goes hand in hand, my Lord Jesus. Father God, I pray a protective covering around each and every one of my brothers, dear God, and sisters, dear Lord. Father God, I pray that the word that was released in their heart, my Lord God, would, would, would fall on fertile ground, dear Lord Jesus. Father God, that it would take root, my Lord Jesus, in their hearts, my Lord God. That they would remember today, my Lord God. That they, my Lord Jesus, would remember, my Lord God, the water and the pressure, my Lord God. Your development in them, my Lord Jesus. Father God, I pray all these things and I give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.
guys can be seated real quick. Everybody have a seat, please. I want to say, uh, I want you guys to give it up for the Lord real quick. I thank God for raising up men of God and young people of God that want to be committed to God, want to be devoted to God, want to grow in the Lord, want to be less of themselves and more rooted inside of the gospel. Uh, Pastor, I thank you for your desire to seek God's face on our behalf. And uh, I just want to touch on a few points um, to kind of um, just reiterate them. I thought they were great points. Washing. Your heart is much more filthy. Washing. Guys, the washing that Pastor Aldo's em- emphasizing is the washing of the Word. He said it more than enough times for you guys to get it. Washing of the Word. We as Christians cannot go on our daily lives without being in the Word. You will not be washed spiritually without being in the Word. And he painted a great picture by saying the deluge of a shower. Taking a shower. Not putting your toe in there to get wet, but taking a shower. You would not get all dirty and smelly and not take a shower. As Christians, we have to wash ourselves daily in the Word. And I wrote this, this note here. It says... Your heart is much more filthy than how dirty you would be if you lived 80 years old without ever taking a shower. No one would do that. Your heart needs more washing than you'll ever need on the outside. You need to be more clean through the washing of the word and a spiritual aspect than you'll ever need to be washed by the shower. And I said, whenever, when we shower, we deluge ourselves in water, like Pastor Aldo said. So why do we think that church sermons are enough? They're not. Bible is very important, and I pray that you guys take heed to the Spirit of God that is speaking this to you through Pastor Aldo, and that I'm reiterating to you by the power of God that has been entrusted to us as pastors. This is our job, we love you, and the same applies for us. I thank you for the word because it smacks me in the face first. So what is more filthy, your heart or your body? You would never go two or three days without a shower. Some of y'all go one. That's why I ain't going to say that. I ain't going to call you out, but some of you might go one day without a shower. Yeah. But you'll never go two, three, four days without a shower. Mm-hmm. Unless you're camping with church. If you're camping, you might get the two or three in there. But the four? Come on now. Four and five? It ain't going to happen. Even even if you were camping on that fourth day, you'd be trying to go down the lake and just at least do a little something. Dude, that's something. You know what I mean? That's algae and like... You would do something. You would lick bottles of water. You would take bottles of water. What is the point? Guys, we cannot go on as Christians. We cannot go on as Christians without washing ourselves. And then he says, the pressure God wants to take. Guys, the things that God wants to take away. Attitude, anger, jealousy. These are the things that God's trying to take away. He's not trying to take away your body odor. you got to think spiritually here. He's trying to take away all of these attributes that don't glorify Him. All of these things that are contrary to the fruits of the Spirit. Yes, sir. Question. Go ahead. Well, if you just said He wants to take away jealousy, how come in the Bible says God is a jealous God? Because God's jealousy is righteous. God also is angry at times. Bible says, "Be angry and don't sin." Amen. You see, if you're jealous, and it causes you to be covetous, it causes you to want something, to be dissatisfied with what you have, to long for, and it's that type of jealousy. You see, that's an ungodly jealousy. But see, whenever my child, who I've raised up and I've loved and I've nurtured, becomes a young adult. And then they decide to say, oh, Dad, I'm not going to spend Christmas with you this, 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 this year. I'm going to go chill with my girlfriend. That would be a jealousy, a jealousy that breaks my heart. That's the type of jealousy that God has. You see what I'm saying? It's a righteous jealousy. It's, if it was an unrighteous jealousy, he'd just slap the hammer on us, you know what I mean? I mean he'd just break us. 
He can kill us, annihilate us, destroy us. But it's one that breaks his heart that makes him long for us. It's like he just wants to reach out and grab you and say, come back to me. Because the context that he's used is that you shouldn't have any other gods before you. God's a jealous God. Whenever you're making yourself another God, when you're serving a God that's not the God of the Bible, that breaks God's heart. So God wants to take that stuff away from you, and that's where the pressure comes in. And just to recap, wash, pressure, produces character. Also what? You can be conformed to the image of Christ, but it starts with the wash. If you're not being washed with the word when the pressure comes, you won't stand. You'll fall. You'll break. And a lot of people call that backsliding. And it can cause a lot of turmoil, a lot of hell, a lot of grief, a lot of heartache. Much more than the initial pressure would have ever caused. So let us pray. Are they done, Pastor Oldham? That's okay, I'll pray to dismiss anyway, Pastor Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for this time that you have given us. Uh, we thank you for Pastor Aldo and uh, we thank you for the Faith Dome of Fellowship. But God, above all, we thank you for your word that is inspired by you, that brings truth and life and illumination to our hearts, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for purifying us through your word. We thank you, Lord God, for instructing us through your word, for correcting us through your word. God, I pray that you would increase all of our hunger, starting with me, for your word. Father, that we would never go a day without dwelling in your word, even if it's meditating on one scripture, Lord. As long as we get some type of illumination, some type of holiness, some type of perfection in our lives. And all 66 books are all of that. Father, we love you and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.